atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman and Kurt Crosby live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use. No doubt starts now. I should say continues now. Hour one with Lowell Nelson was incredible. Hour two starts now. This is the broadcast for October the 7th in the year of our Lord, 2019. This is hour two of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we reject revolution, but we stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to Scott Bradley. To preserve the nation is his goal. Freedomsrisingsun.com is website with incredible weekly webinars, Q&As, and more on the Constitution. Check it out. Freedomsrisingsun.com. Hi, Scott. Howdy uh, to uh, both you and Kurt. I assume you're both there. Yes, we are. Hi, Kurt. Kurt's missing an action, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, we'll try to get Kurt. I guess we're not both here, sir. So your assumption is incorrect. Well, I, I'm assuming he'll join us shortly. A Kanye West uh, spoke in a religious uh, event in uh, Utah. I guess he was at an open-air uh, shopping mall or an outside shopping mall. He uh, sang. He held what he called a worship service. And he prayed and testified to the crowd, talked a little bit about politics, and told about his religious journey, and he warned about the woes of social media. The dangers of social media. What do you say to that, Scott? Well, I, I, you know, of course, I was not present, nor was I aware of, of this event. But uh, just on the, what we've just been told, I'm, I have a grave amount of concern about about social media. I think it consumes far too much of everyone's life. Uh, again, it's contributed to the age of irrelevance that we currently are in, which should be the probably the age of most relevance, but uh, there's so many distractions, people looking to see who's the prettiest today or whatever they do on that. I haven't personally uh, experienced that, but I, I know so many people. Here's an, here's an example here about 20, ooh, no, it's probably 10 years ago. There was a friend of mine whose daughter, teenage daughter, had 28,000 texts in one month. And uh, you do the math on that, and I, I don't know what she had time for anything else. You know, she was just a buzz on the on the social media stuff, and and I I think it's distracting us from the most important events and times and decisions and actions. It's just like I say, it's it's another version of bread and circuses. Amen to that. One of the uh, and we talked last hour about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, 189th semi annual general conference, and I talked about one of the speakers spoke about the three D's, which is distraction, uh, which is um, discouragement, and uh, what was the other one? I'm trying to think of it right now. Distraction, discouragement, and deception. deception. Oh, Kurt is back. Welcome, Kurt. We tried to go. Well, I got a chicken that's out, uh, Sam, and I'm trying to get that chicken back in. I was, you know, it took a little longer to get back in here. Just tell the chicken uh, you're on the radio. My my chickens, when I had them and before all the dogs got them, all all my chickens came out first thing in the morning. They were free range, and they all went home every night. Don't don't you let them out every morning, Kurt? Well, yeah, but I don't live in such a free area as you do, uh, Scott. I mean, no. By the way. What's that? I mean, the dogs or yeah. the coyotes or the raccoons or the foxes, 
all got them. I mean, every one of my chickens is gone now. So yeah, I guess I don't have that worry. Well, that's certainly <laughs> distraction, and that's certainly deception. That's certainly a discouragement all going on with it. <laughs> Amen, brother. Uh, anyway, uh, those three issues relate, uh, in my opinion, a great to a great degree with social media. I think they cause a distraction. I think they cause a deception. I think they cause a discouragement uh, a lot of times, too. So we better beware of that for sure. All right, I want to talk about presidential candidates, Scott, today. And Willie Brown, former mayor of San Francisco, quote, it's time for Hillary Clinton to come out of retirement, lace up the gloves, and to get back in the ring with President Donald Trump. It'll be the most historical political matchup ever, Brown wrote. Uh, Do you want to respond to this? Well, now, was Willie Brown the one that Kamala Harris was having an affair yes, with? Yes, sir. That is correct. Climb the ladder of uh, yes. political success. Now, there, there's another story that, that's probably worthy of discussion, that everybody, you know, sleeping your way to the top. That's another. Anyway, but, uh, no, <laughs> Willie Brown, uh, this is a paragon of uh, great wisdom. And uh, I'm just, <laughs> uh, I'm not so sure that... Um, yeah, I don't know quite how to put this delicately, but I'm not so sure that that Hillary Clinton could could really pull this off for a lot of different reasons. I, I think that there's some experiences in, that we might look at that are telling of some frailties in her life, perhaps. And I'm I I just think that that a lot of also rants. I don't know. We've got a lot of um, senior citizens that are running now, and and uh, I don't know if we need one more. Do you think she'll throw her, what do they call those hats, Kurt? I don't know what those are called, but do you think she'll throw her hat in the ring there, buddy? We're talking about who's throwing whose hat? Kurt, Willie, come on now. Willie Brown? No. I mean, oh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, Hillary Clinton. Oh, Hillary. Uh, Willie Brown is the former mayor of San Francisco, said, sir. Yeah. And Willie, and he who says, had an affair with Kamala Harris or whatever her name is. Kamala. Kamala Harris or whatever, then he basically said, hey, Hillary's got to get back in. It'll be the greatest matchup historically ever. Uh, Hillary's got to lace up the gloves and get back in. I mean, it's, now's the well, time. Well, he's got a lot of wisdom and knowledge and, uh, yes, you know, sir. I mean, leadership. Willie Brown is a paragon of that uh, modern-day founding father out of California, you know. Now, do you think Hillary uh, will jump in? Do you think she'll throw her hat in the ring, Kurt? She really wants to. I was Sam. scared about uh, what kind of hat she'd have, but that's another topic. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I think she would wear one of those Wicked Witch of the West hats um, myself, but um, or of the East. I'm not sure because she was a New Yorker in Arkansas. Anyway, she was a carpetbagger in New York, wasn't she? Yeah, maybe she needs a carpet bag. But um, she, uh, I, I think uh, what she needs is. Um, um, Michelle to jump in and Michelle to let her be vice president. Um, but uh, that's about the only thing that would save the Democrats now. Or what if Michelle went be VP of Hillary? They, they jump in together there now. Hillary and Michelle. Well, it might female work. Ticket. Yeah. There, no. She would, you know. Because see, uh, Michelle's Michelle younger, so the good old yeah. girl network um, good point. ought to, you know, play some factor here. Do you think she'll jump in, though, Kurt, really? Well, um, I, I, I think most of them are going to just leave this whole thing alone. Anybody who has a chance of winning on the Democratic side is going to leave it alone simply because. Remember how Bill Clinton taught us that old phrase. I mean, it's weird to think of anything taught by Bill Clinton that was useful, but um, he taught us about 
It's the economy, stupid. And um, when you have a record number of people that are working, even if the uh, standard media tells us that everything is terrible, um, people can look in their wallet, Sam, and they can figure out that this is a better thing than what we had going on before. Well, you know, before we leave this, who's jumping in the presidential thing? I, you know, it blown in the wind. I don't know if you guys have kind of got wind or idea or heard of or whatever the idea that Mitt Romney's toying with the idea. I mean, here's a guy that, that thinks that nobody can do anything but him and, and he can do everything and the only people who agree with him are in Utah. But but uh, have you heard that Mitt Romney's uh, given some... All right, so let, let's get into the Mitt Romney thing in just a second. So, Kurt, do you think that she'll jump in? You're talking to me or to Kurt? I don't. I do don't. Not. Okay, Kurt does not think that Hillary will jump in. What do you think, Scott? I think that it would be a disaster. I think that um, that the frailties that uh, we inferred might be there would manifest themselves. And, and the idea that you've got to stand in front of thousands of people, well, sometimes you don't get that big a crowd, but but uh, maybe even in debates and stuff like that. Um, I think old man time is, uh, is telling and her time has passed. And, uh, I mean, it, it never really was, but the fact of the matter is that shows what kind of desperation's out there right now, I think. I, if people, people look at the, uh, the second crop of, uh, people that are on, running on the Democrat ticket. And, and I don't think, uh, mainstream America is ready for a, someone that uh, calls himself a, a socialist Democrat by whatever flavor they come out. I think most mainstream Americans, are still uh, uh, gun-shy of that kind of terminology. We're not Europe yet, and uh, we're trying to get that way as fast as we can, but but uh, that's what, what's happening, I think, is people are casting about and saying, holy cow, uh, what's going on here? I mean, look at who we've got uh, there that's uh, that's rolling the dice right now, and and, and it is a bad, a bad bet all the way around. There isn't a good solution in the whole crop of them. And so I think that's one of the reasons that we're getting people that are saying, well, well, let's go with something that's a little bit more, uh, you know, acceptable, or at least has proven to be so to the mainstream Democrat in the years past. But, but I don't think Hillary, I don't think Hillary could do it. I, I just honestly, I, I would say she ought not embarrass herself. I understand. So you don't think she'll do it, or you think she will? I do not think she will do it. All right, I'm a, I'm in agreement with Kurt and. Um, Scott on this. Now, there's a lot of people who do believe Hillary's going to jump in. What I think is Hillary's too old. What I think will happen, though, is there's a good chance Michelle Obama uh, might jump into the ring uh, because I think she'd be a whole lot younger, a whole lot more uh, skilled at debates. Uh, she's got a whole lot, in my opinion, better following right now. Hillary might endorse kind of a Michelle scenario. I think Michelle will jump in. Scott and then Kurt. Well, I hope she doesn't. Because I think she would be worse than her husband in terms of principles, and she has far little, far less ability to even govern. She's more like the uh, Paris Commune after the uh, Franco-Prussian uh, uh, War back in the 1870s. I mean, th this would be a disaster of governance. All right, Kurt's response in seconds. Liberty Roundtable live with Dr. Scott Bradley. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? 
Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. Hey, listen up. This is a deep state alert. Former Texas Congressman Steve Stockman, who moved to arrest Lois Lerner for contempt of Congress, has been imprisoned by the very office that Lerner led. You heard right. Stockman hit the Obama administration hard, and they hit back with the full force of the federal government. The guy who said he wanted Mark Levin as Speaker of the House was the first to threaten Obama's impeachment, exposed Hillary's selling steel to the Iranians, and blocked both Obama's immigration and gun bills from even reaching the House. But Obama holdovers came after him in federal court with trumped up charges and have locked our guy up. Like many others, he was on Obama's hit list. Steve fought for us in Congress. Now we need to fight for him. Don't abandon this wounded hero on the battlefield. Let's help cover his massive legal costs. To chip in five bucks or more, text the word FIGHT to 444-999. That's FIGHT, F-I-G-H-T, to 444-999. Or go to DefendAPatriot.com. That's DefendAPatriot.com. Kurt, do you think Michelle Obama's going to jump in? If Hillary doesn't, do you think Michelle will? You know, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't expect it. Uh, the main reason is they've got millions of dollars from Netflix and other people like that. So they've basically got their, uh, I guess you could say their booty. Um, you know, well, I'm talking about, you know, money. Um, you know, I don't know that they want any more, but uh, all I can say is I don't expect it, but it wouldn't surprise me. All right. You know, just before you, just before you um, the, the money thing, how does somebody that was a community organizer, I mean, that's somebody that goes around and, and rallies the, the street people to some socialist program, have a $40 million net worth after serving in the presidency? This is... This is a, a symptomatic problem that we have with the way the government revolving door works. And, and to me, that's a question that needs to be asked. I mean, if, if the individual himself, and, and again, let's say uh, uh, Barack Obama doesn't have $40 million, but his wife does, this is how it works all the time, whether it's, whether it's Joe Biden or Hunter Biden or it's Reed, uh, uh, Harry Reid and his son. It seems like the families become extremely wealthy when one of the family members sits in a high government position. And Michelle, according to the speculation, has a net worth of over $40 million. How do you do that as a, as a community organizer? I mean, there's, there's some other undertone out here. It's, it's horrid. Yeah, they say the State Department is investigating use of emails under Clinton. Now, what I find fascinating this is, and, and you know, sad for me to say this, but it's just old. Now, I'm not suggesting we should dismiss it, but if we haven't done anything substantive about this yet, we never will, Scott. 
You know, I, I saw a thing the other day. Uh, there was uh, a, a, it was a, a guy that was an anti-Trump guy that was writing on a blog thing about, you know, we gotta we gotta get to the bottom of this. We gotta hang Trump in terms of uh, this uh, Ukraine call and all. You know, like the Democrats are trying to do through this uh, politically motivated impeachment thing. Um, but but the, some of the people responding and saying, well, what about all of the the stuff, I mean, going back to the, the Biden-Hunter uh, thing, uh, where where there was quid pro quo, obviously, going on with a with billion dollars in, in credits that were, you know, security credits and everything for, for loans that were being denied if, if they didn't back off investigating him in Ukraine. I mean, and, and you know what the guy's response was? Well, we'll maybe get to that someday, but we got to take care of the problem that's on the plate right now. And, and, you know, it's kind of going along with what you're saying. The people are, have maybe moved on, but the fact of the matter is that, that this corruption, these problems, these challenges, they're appalling to me to think that nobody took any action at the time. Uh, this is, I mean, really the highest levels. The, the, I've held security clearances, very high-level security clearances in, in years gone by. I don't have any now. But the point of the matter is, if I had done, I knew what the rules were. I was fully aware. I would still be in prison. You know, 40 years later, I'd still be in prison. You can't do that kind of stuff. That used to be taken seriously, and now it's a ho-hum, let's move on, you know. But uh, uh, we, we live in a very interesting time where nobody has any idea what's at stake. Amen to that MSNBC panel concocts a plan to make Nancy Pelosi president by ousting Donald Trump and um, Mike Pence. What do you think of that? Well, that's the the line of inheritance, if you will, the royal line, if you will, in America. And, and, uh, and so, I mean, but, you know, not far behind her, you've got uh, Mitch McConnell. I mean, the... <laughs> Actually, it's the president pro tem of the uh, of the Senate, not the majority leader. But the fact of the matter is, uh, there's all sorts of palace intrigue going on, and um, you know the 25th Amendment has been invoked as as ought to be something that that, that uh, is used for presidential incompetence due to you know mental or physical incapacity uh, would be brought along. I mean, they are turning every stone to make this a, a palace coup, and uh, I just find it uh, a very, as they say, interesting time we live in. I think it's a travesty and a tragedy what's going on in America right now. We deserve, or maybe we deserve what we're getting, but we, as a nation, the principles it was founded on are so much higher and more noble than this. And, and you know, you say you wrestle with a pig, you get muddy. Well, I tell you, everybody seems to be getting pretty darn muddy back in Washington right now. Yeah, now Joe Biden is currently pressuring Fox. News not to run an ad sponsored by President Trump's campaign for 2020. Um, CNN has already refused to air the spot. It's over Donald's claims about Joe's son, Hunter, um, that Biden exercised political influence over this. And uh, now CNN and the mainstream press won't even run President Trump's ad. And Joe Biden trying to pressure Fox not to. CNN won't do it. Now they're pressuring Fox. Joe Biden pressured the Ukrainians by literally... a quid pro quo deal now literally doing the same thing to fox right in front of your very eyes scott 
Well, there's no question about that. It, it's it's an interesting phenomenon to me that uh, we we do this we, we do this institutionally though. I mean, this isn't just him putting pressure on a on a supposedly it's not, but supposedly independent news source. But but we do this through the Federal Election Commission. The federal election laws are totally bogus. They destroy the First Amendment. They they only allow uh, people that. Well, it's only people that obey the law to give certain amounts in uh, behalf of their candidate. But they prohibit discussion of certain topics within windows uh, up, running up to the election because it might look the, the uh, incumbent look bad. See, these federal election laws really are incumbent protection laws. They were created by a bunch of guys and gals that were in Congress that wanted to hold their office forever. And so they created these things to make it almost impossible to replace them. So, so this leverage to say you can't talk about this or that or the other—it's it's institutional. It's not just one candidate, you know, trying to influence a, a network against something, and, and and that's bad enough. Because former behavior, I think, reflects possible future actions. Well, and here's the question: How do we claim that Donald is guilty of pressuring Ukraine? Uh, but Joe's not regarding Hunter when Hunter got, what, $50,000 a month? Uh, and oh. literally, he doesn't have any experience in, in um, anything like this. Well, I mean, he doesn't know the oil and gas business at all. And he, it was 50000 a month for about a year and a half. Do the math, kids. That's a substantial sum. And and there, there may have been... He knows how to grease the palms. They know how to grease the palms of the politicians. And that's and the question is, who knows how? Oil does part or works. does just Joe? Because I don't think Hunter could get this done on his own. No, no. Hunter didn't get this on his own. But, the, but this is the thing. If you look at land deals that are done by politicians, families. See, it's one of those things where the politician themselves may not have personal benefit from this. But you look at their circle of family and friends. I mean, you look at the BCCI scandal that happened back in the 1990s when, when Utah Senator Orrin Hatch made this impassioned plea on behalf of this institution of financial paragon of glory, whatever. It was a, it was a banker for, uh, for terrorists and drug lords and, and we could run down the name of those that were in there, but, uh, but Orrin Hatch had a good buddy that got a $10 million loan from him. I mean, it was kind of like, uh, oh, we got to defend these guys, and oh yeah, maybe he'll he'll help my good buddy get a ten million dollar loan. I mean, it wasn't just Orrin Hatch. I mean, John McCain was neck deep in it. Of course, he was yes. in the, the savings and loan scandal stuff too. But but that's the thing. You look at their circle of family and friends that are benefiting by their leverage. I, you know, years and years ago, decades ago, I I was trying to help a guy get elected to the Congress in Utah. I thought he was an honorable man with with uh, good principles that that would be really, you know, we'd try and sustain the good things of America, and and I was all in with him. And uh, and one of my wife's uncles made a comment about, yeah, if he gets elected, he'll greatly influence his uh, his net worth. And I thought, I mean, it. Uh, I was so naive at the time. That it kind of, it, it offended me honestly, and and made me uh, no no it had never happened with this guy. Now the guy didn't get elected, okay, but the fact of the matter is that was the perception of this older wiser head, if you will, <laughs> when when his idea was yeah his now was going to really rock it if he gets elected. And I thought well that's not why he's running. Now 
there may be some still out there that, that have honorable intentions, but it sure seems like a lot of people take office and they and their families. Well, and I find that fascinating. The mainstream press is literally in your face picking sides now, where in the past they tried to remain somewhat newsworthy, somewhat neutral, but now they're literally saying Donald Trump is guilty in the court of public opinion, nothing more. And Joe Biden, I mean, how dare you even make the assertion that Joe did anything wrong? And they're literally doubling down, picking sides and deciding who can run what campaign ads related there too, based on they say Donald's lying. It's amazing. Quick pause. Romney's in the mix too. Scott brought it up. Let's drill in. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Wendy King. The legal team for the intelligence official behind the original complaint about President Trump is now representing a second whistleblower. One of the attorneys say that multiple whistleblowers have come forward. But Republican Congressman Chris Stewart of Utah tells Fox News Sunday that the president's dealings with Ukraine were legit. When you read the transcript of what the president says, he's very clear. The reason he's withholding aid is because he wants to pressure the Europeans, particularly Miss Merkel in Germany, that they have been dragging their feet for months on this. And by the way, we heard as early as late spring that they are probably going to withhold this aid. We've been hearing those of us who work in national security, they were going to do that to pressure the Europeans. The lawyers say the second whistleblower who who also works in intelligence, hasn't filed a complaint with the inspector general, but does have first-hand knowledge that supported the original complaint. This is USA Radio News. Do you have an idea for an invention or new product? Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Then call InventHelp now. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential and explains every step of the invention process. We create professional materials representing your idea and submit it to companies who are looking for new ideas. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We also offer services including 3D modeling and animation demonstrating your idea, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to show InventHelp client ideas to additional companies. Join the thousands of people just like you who chose InventHelp to pursue their idea. We are experienced. We are working for you. We are InventHelp. Call us for free information at 1-800-460-1663. That's 1-800-460-1663. Again, 1-800-460-1663. A second whistleblower is now coming forward in the Ukraine scandal involving President Trump and a phone call he made in July to the Ukrainian president. A Washington law firm claims it's representing multiple whistleblowers in that case. Meanwhile, Vice President and former Indiana Governor Mike Pence is being criticized by a former GOP member of Congress as former Florida Congressman David Jolly believes Pence is complicit in impeachable behavior with President Trump. In moments of consequence, he disappears. In moments of scandal, he suggests he knows nothing about it. So Jolly says the House should be opening an impeachment inquiry into Pence. His press secretary dismissing the request, saying it's just another attempt from do-nothing Democrats to advance a partisan impeachment effort. The NYPD continuing to patrol synagogues this holiday season, but Jewish leaders say they need more cops out near houses of worship. And this is USA Radio News. 
uh, I want to explain my theory about this in just a second, but let's drill in and start here, and then my theory will come up in a minute. We're with Scott Bradley, ladies and gentlemen. Freedomsrisingsun.com is his website. Check it out. Um, there's been a big old battle between uh, Mitt Romney and Donald Trump for a long time. And they've kind of been friends and foes and friends and foes. And Donald endorsed Mitt. And Mitt said that Donald was the best businessman ever. And, you know, but then they hate each other and they have a volley back and forth and et cetera, et cetera. The latest in the volley is that uh, Mitt Romney was criticizing Donald about the call uh, the phone call, as well as the China uh, negotiations, etc., and uh, then Trump attacks Pompous. He called him a pompous a, you know, uh, pompous Mitt Romney. After senators rebuke over um, the Ukraine and China, Scott, do you want to respond to this one? It's a it's a massive confusion to me. But but let me just say this about that. <laughs> I know one person, at least one. That will be extremely happy, regardless of which one gets elected. And that's Benjamin Netanyahu. Mitt Romney and Benjamin Netanyahu were were complicit in a lot of things that happened in their Boston investment group uh, years ago. So they were very, very close friends. And um, Benjamin Netanyahu and Fred Trump, uh, Donald's dad, were the closest of friends. There is an extremely tight relationship between Benjamin Netanyahu and, and these two Republican potential candidates. I think Donald's absolutely a candidate, and, and I think that uh, Mitt, um, I don't know, I, I still think he's got this taste in his mouth that he wants to try for the president. So maybe, just maybe, he'll test the waters and, and uh, you know, he'll, uh, boy. Do you remember um, Pat Polson back in the old... Uh, Oh, it was an old TV show that was on uh, that uh, that they they had a uh, a deal where he did a parody on on uh, running for office. Uh, he said, "If nominated, I will not run, and if elected, I will not serve." I mean, some people just seem like they just gotta have the job. And uh, this Pat Polson comedian guy that was on Laughing that was the name of the show. Um, he, he ran this little parody on, on politicians, and and uh, that was one of his statements. If nominated, I will not run, and if elected, I will not serve. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to adopt that one. That's a good one, I think. But I don't know what's happening. I don't know why the China thing and the uh, Ukrainian thing has, has uh, got mid in such a stir. I, don't, I just don't. I'd like to see it play out. And by the way, the election's really, really one year away. I don't know how long a, a uh, an impeachment will take, but it's going to be a drawn-out process and drawing the, the articles together. And then when it gets in the Senate, it is going to be like a courtroom. And you're going to have – you hear about all these other whistleblowers that have firsthand knowledge. They're going to be called in to sit on the witness stand, and under oath, they're going to testify. They're going to be cross-examined. These people will – you know, you say, oh, there's more out there. There's more out there. Bring them on. Okay, because in a, a true impeachment trial, there will be everybody, if anybody's doing their job, will be brought out of the woodwork. Everybody will be put under oath. Everyone will have to testify in, in a public setting. Everyone will be cross-examined. And honestly, I think that the, the most powerful legal teams that we've ever seen will be brought together over this thing. And that might happen, but Scott, right now, I don't see anything. Uh, they make you believe that an impeachment has already started, but I don't believe it's even true at all. There's no, no impeachment proceeding. There's just babble. Started. 
No, it's it's all just a stir. This is not. It is not going through the the process it needs to go through. What it is is it's really just a bunch of ungovernable governors that are going about this thing. Uh, we talk about uh, maybe Michelle Obama running for president and how she couldn't uh, do anything any as good as the Paris Commune did back in 1871 for the two months and ten days that they ruled in Paris. That they don't understand the protocols and the processes. And it's basically a bunch of uh, I, they're like third graders running around choosing sides in, a, in some argument. And it's really it's it's a travesty and a tragedy for a nation as great as America being started out with the foundation it had and the principles it was based on. And, and look what we've devolved to a bunch of squabbling third graders. All right. Speaking of that, we'll get to a lack of understanding in just a second. But I've got a theory on this. And tell me what you guys think of this theory. Kurt and then Scott. Here's my theory. I think 99 percent of these people understand that. You know what? They don't care which side they're on. They don't care what the battle is. They just know from experience that the way you get massive media coverage is to have a feud. And so what happens for these people that are media hungry is they find someone about their stature or about their whatever you want to call it that they can feud with. And they have this feud. It doesn't mean anything at the end because they're probably friends. But this feud serves this great role of giving them just massive wall-to-wall coverage to make sure their name never goes out of the press. And I look at it and I say, Alex Jones and Glenn Beck have done this for years. Uh, and the idea is you just simply pick up, pick a foe about your stature and you, you pick a bone. You have a fight. You have something to just have a cow about to where it becomes mainstream press news. In the end of the day, nobody cares. You might be buddies. You might be enemies. You might be who knows what tomorrow. It doesn't matter. It depends on what the landscape looks like. But you're doing it because it gets you the ratings and gets you the coverage that you need. And so I look at this and I say, what advantage does Mitt Romney have to attack Donald Trump over the Ukraine and or China when Mitt Romney doesn't even have the facts on the case? What Mitt needs to say is impeachment is ridiculous at this point. Let's go through the proper channels. There's a constitutional way to go about this if it has wings or legs or legitimacy. Uh, until then, I want to realize that people are innocent and proven, until proven guilty. That should be Mitt's stance as a, if he was truly a statesman. Okay, not because he's defending Trump, but because he's defending the process and the system. But no, Mitt Romney takes every chance he can get to swipe at Donald as his only way to stay relevant in the media at this point. He's a failed senator. Uh, He hasn't done anything of value at all. And this is the only way he can keep relevant. Well, Donald doesn't mind because it gets them a lot of. Um, you know, coverage and fire back and forth. Mitt's an idiot. Mitt's a pompous A and this and that and that, that and the other. Now, that's what I kind of think is going on. What do you think of my theory? I think they do this all the time. Were you throwing the ball to Kurt or to me? Kurt first, then Scott. You Kurt, know, um, when I when I look at this whole thing, you know, it's just hard to say you can have more of a mess, you know, uh, with the Mitt Romney thing and the... Uh, President Trump thing, neither one of them are clean clean as the driven snow. Mitt Romney, in my opinion, has more um, of a duty to uh, do a better job. But 
you know, one of the key things that's going on here is the illustration of the power of the media, in my opinion, and the power of he who owns the media, as you've always taught us, Sam, makes the rules. And they're trying to divide those two guys, and uh, yet wouldn't it be nice if they could focus on truly making America great again and and so many other things. I mean, we've got... uh, um, so many areas uh, to work on, and yet um, when they take us off the ball, if you will, uh, with the uh, impeachment stuff, there's no impeachment talk about impeaching the real people that ought to be impeached, the out-of-control judges and so many others. But um, anyway, that's where I see this thing. What do you think of my theory, though, Kurt? Well, Did they do it um, on purpose? You know, it... You've got to have a good cop, bad cop thing, or you've got to have a, in a movie, you have to have a plot, and you have to have bad guys and good guys. If not, you're not going to have um, any real story, so it makes sense to me. I don't know that they talk together and try to figure it out, uh, but that's sure what it seems to be what happens, right? Yeah, and I don't know that they talk. I think oftentimes somebody just fires a volley and they just know that it'll give them media attention and then the battle goes and the media attention rises and they both kind of keep up the the quid pro quo on that saying, hey, we'll both get plenty of coverage for it no matter what happens. What do you think of my theory, Scott? I just see it over and over and over again. Well, it does have, I, I think as you analyze it, it does have a lot of merit for, for how it works out. Um, I think the prime directive right now is um, you know you know you don't stand with principle you stand with party so you oppose what the opposite party is now it just happens that Mitt has been on the uh, the side that literally uh, has been kind of the never Trump kind of mentality where he's supported others that ran against Trump in order to try and throw a monkey wrench into that. So Mitt has always had kind of a bit of heartburn that he's been playing on on this, whether it's sharing uh, donor lists or whatever with people that didn't have a didn't have a clue or a chance of winning, and yet he just wanted them to be a spoiler. But there's uh, you watch what comes out of these things, the the fundraising letters that go out. Think about the the hay they get from that. And then Mitt- well, and that's the whole reason that these feuds keep them relevant in the media. You know, McDonald- Madonna's falling in the polls, so she might attack Taylor Swift, or who knows. And they, I'm, I'm just convinced they play this to the hilt. And when we get back, speaking of ignorance on how the process works, Trump's got a proposal Kurt's going to tell you about. Hang tight. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. 
Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm by a friend of Megagoria. The Strategy of Heaven Revealed. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm. Available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. President of the United States, poor uh, Donald Trump, kind of uh, demonstrates his ignorance a little bit there, Kurt. Well, um, I think the point that he makes, uh, at least the Breitbart Pete says, Donald Trump calls. Yeah, okay, Sam. Uh, The Breitbart Pete says, Donald Trump calls for Mitt Romney to be impeached. Uh, And uh, he says, I'm hearing that the great people of Utah are considering their vote for their pompous Senator Mitt Romney to be a big mistake. He says, I agree. He's a fool who's playing right into the hands of the do-nothing Democrats. Uh, uh, And uh, I put that on Twitter um, in a subsequent tweet. uh, He says that... uh, that uh, basically Jeff Flake is better than the Utah Republican uh, Mitt Romney. Uh, and um, that's, that's saying a lot, I guess. And, uh, you know, then I thought it was interesting. He said Mitt Romney never knew how to win. He's a pompous blank who has been fighting me from the beginning, except when he begged me for my endorsement for his Senate run. And in parentheses, he put, I gave it to him. And when he begged me to be Secretary of State, I didn't give it to him. He's so bad for ours, which, you know, of course means Republicans. Um, so, you know, there's a little battle going on there. Uh, but Mitt Romney, uh, you know, would do well, in my opinion, to uh, not respond when the Washington Post and these others uh, want to stir up more troubles between them both. But, uh I don't think he's going to listen to me. Do you, Scott? What do you think about the idea that the senator should be impeached, Scott? This is what I mean by his ignorance. Senators aren't impeached, from what I understand. Well, back in 1798, there was a uh, an event that happened. Uh, in fact, this guy that it happened with actually had, had been one of the signers of the United States Constitution, and, and there was a whole big land problem. I mean, I, I don't need to give you a history lesson. We don't have enough time for all that kind of stuff. But But what happened was that um, the uh, the Senate ultimately ended up basically booting him out of the Senate to avoid an impeachment situation. And so that's kind of where the idea came that they shouldn't be, but, but, the, uh, but the Constitution doesn't exclude them by any means. But uh, the, the guy's name was William Blount, and he, was, he signed out of North Carolina. And what happened was the, the Senate exercised their ability to expel a member and they expelled him, I think it was 25 to 1, speaks my mind. They expelled him rather than, than uh, face the idea that there may be impeachment charges against him. But uh, 
anyway, so I don't I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, if we haven't expelled members of the Senate for all sorts of egregious behavior over the years, I mean, shoot. Yeah, they're not going to do it. But the, the point is, there's guidelines of how to impeach a president. Uh, you know, it starts with a, a articles of impeachment written up in the House, then a full vote in the House, and then the impeachment happens. But the Senate can decide, you know, what happens from there, whether he's removed or not, and everything else. There's a whole process. There's not a process for a senator, as far as I can tell. A senator might be recalled, or a senator might um, no, lose election. Senators cannot be recalled. They cannot they be cannot. recalled. They, they're specifically. Uh, cannot be recalled. They've discussed it. L.L. Livingston uh, addressed that very magnificently back during the founding era. And why so if that they can't be, be recalled, then they, I'm sure they can't be impeached either. You just have to wait till the next election cycle, right? No, actually, if you w- look at Article 2, Section 4, this is what it says. The president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. And what had happened in this uh, Blount case back in 1797 was that um, uh, the House had brought forth impeachment articles, and they were going to go forward with them, and the Senate going, oh my goodness, we can't go through this. I mean, it, it was a whole disaster of things that were happening because of some land issues, and he had brought foreign powers, collusion with foreign powers, if you can imagine that. But in in Article 1, Section 5, Clause 2, it says that that with two-thirds of of the vote, with concurrence of two-thirds, they may expel a member. So that's what happened. The Senate basically says we're not going to go through this uh, this you know dog and pony show. And like I say, as I recall, the vote was twenty five to one. I think that uh, the other Tennessee senator probably voted in favor of Blount because by then Tennessee had become a state, and Blount was a senator from Tennessee, and it had a whole bunch to do with land speculation and, and bringing European powers in to protect their investments and everything. But I think Abigail Adams probably said one of the she wanted to have the guillotine brought into the United States to kill the guy because she thought it was so treasonous to bring a foreign power in. But you know what? All right. So let me let me make this clear. Then you're saying that impeachment proceedings against the senator is legitimate, constitutionally speaking. And Donald's correct. And I stand corrected. I think reading my reading, I would say, you know what? I know you guys want to avoid this, but it says all civil officers. And I think the Senate probably, they're not very civil oftentimes and all this kind of stuff, but I think it would, by definition, include them. And so uh, my opinion... Hold on. Would the process be the same as the president then? uh, The the president would, I mean, the the chief justice would not sit as the chief judge. It would be the president of the Senate, which would be uh, Mike Pence. You know, so so if you, if we read back here in Article One, Section Three, the Senate shall have sole power to try all impeachments. When sitting for that purpose, they shall be on oath or affirmation. But, but the, the House would draw up articles of impeachment, and then the House would have to submit them, right? To the Senate, when the President of the United States is tried, the Chief Justice shall preside. So, but you've got to understand, they've only had about seventeen cases where this has gone this far in the whole history of the United States. It's the scarecrow of this impeachment thing, and they've only convicted like on less than half, probably seven of those. And so, what we're talking about, uh, Thomas Jefferson lamented that impeachment wasn't carried out more often. He called it a scarecrow, and we've all seen the cartoons where they, you know, the scarecrows out there and the crows are sitting on the hat and on the arms. It, it's just not been a common approach. I mean, they, so read that I, part about all one more time. Say again. Read the part about all one more time. 
Oh, you mean in in, in Article 2? Yeah. Section 4? Okay. So it says, and I'll read it right out of here so I don't get it wrong, the president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office. And by the way, let me stop you there then. So it does include the Senate. I stand corrected. Donald's right on this. I demonstrate my ignorance from time to time. Uh, But this also means judges, right? So why isn't Donald calling for the impeachment of judges as well? I agree. In fact, more judges have been impeached than anything else. And in fact, they started clear back with a Supreme Court justice back during Jefferson's administration. It failed. But the fact of the matter is that judges are probably the most vulnerable to this thing and probably ought to have it exercised more often because they're not subject to the elective process. See, see, you can correct a bad senator or a bad congressman or a bad president through the elective processes, but Article 3 says that judges uh, will hold their office during good behavior, and, and they're, they're, they're there until we take them to task. And so judges should be the most vulnerable to this, and there have been judges that have been removed, but, but not nearly enough. I mean, I think this Amen thing ought to probably be a weekly event. That's why we have Dr. Scott Bradley on the radio to set a straight constitutionally. Kurt, looks like Donald's right. I stand corrected. Well, very good, Sam. Nice work. What do you think? You think Romney should be impeached, uh, Kurt? Well, I never voted for him I'll, I'll in the first place. I don't, I don't think he should be. I think that we become too frivolous. I think the man... Needs to, to, to get some principles under his belt. He needs to stand tall and, and become See, the senator. I think you should be replaced by Scott Bradley. Yeah, well, you know what? I've done that, uh, run down that path twice, and the, the pe- good people of Utah have rejected me twice. Of course, they did J. Reuben Clark twice also, so I'm a good company. Yeah, the people love Romney, though, big time. He got 60-plus percent. That's the problem. Is the only people that agree with Romney's opinion of himself are people that are in Utah. Now, why he owns the media makes the rules uh, in true. Utah. The media, you know, basically, if Romney sneezes, they put him on the front page with a That's pretty right. picture. If, on the other hand, if he'd, uh, I mean, the things they accuse the president of saying that uh, he could kill somebody, and they wouldn't even, you know. Uh, talk about it well i think it'd be the same way with romney in utah but there are delegates who rejected romney the first go around even though the people are deceived uh, you're you're mentioning kurt that according to donald's research too though that there's a, a big backlash among his colleagues and stuff right well that's right there's i mean basically uh, they say that uh, in utah among the elected officials that we have i'm talking about federally elected he's the least popular one and that was in July. Uh, here we are in October. I'm telling you that that number's less. I meet a lot of these never-Trumpers that were that way before the president was elected that now, you know, they're not going to wear a Make America Great Again hat, but they're <laughs> certainly saying, hey, the guy has really surprised me. Here's the kind of thing that happened that you talk about that in being rejected initially. And, and Utah had... Uh, it's it's largely erased now, but Utah had one of the true Republican, not Republican Party, but Republican form of governments for selecting its candidates. So they went through a delegate process and a convention process. Those people did not select Mitt Romney to run for, for senator. There is now a, um, a Democratic process, not Democratic Party, but they, they go and they run based upon getting signatures and getting on the ballot. That's how Romney won. 
the general population of Utah does not take the time to examine the principles of the individual. They vote on a reflex, a reflex, that sounds like heartburn to me, uh, opportunity to bring a someone on board, and they, they oftentimes the rabble brings in the wrong person. I think there's another thing, by the way, at play here. Josh Romney, uh, Mitt's son, has expressed an interest, perhaps he hasn't committed, I don't think at this point, to become governor of Utah. And I think in a way, he's going to run on his dad's coattails. And I think that the, the people in Utah, like I say, uh, you know, nobody can do anything but him, according to Mitt, and he can do everything. And the only people who agree with him are in Utah. And I think he's maybe hoping that this keeping his name in the press might give his, his son an opportunity to be governor. Uh, I think that would be a travesty and a tragedy also. But Sadly, I think you might be correct on that. Wow. Know, the, you, you stir the pot and you keep the name in front. Uh, like your theory, Sam, was saying, you, if you can keep your name in front of the press, there, you know, there's, there's no bad press, according to some of the old adages. And uh, so there may be some of this playing in, too. But, but honestly, I don't think Mitt Romney has committed impeachable offenses. I think he's made some faux pas. I think he's not understood protocol. I think he has not lived up to the to what they envisioned senators being, a little bit more diplomatic, a little bit more stature, a little bit more eh, aristocratic maybe the wrong term to use in America, but where they would be a little higher educated, a little bit more willing to... Uh, uh, really look at the depth and breadth of principles. That's what the founders intended the senator to be. That's why they gave them the office Amen. for six years. But they were supposed to be appointed by the states. And uh, as you well, and, and that's the reason that I bring up Scott or, or Kurt saying that a lot of the elected officials aren't too happy with Romney. And if we had the states in charge, they might just decide to do something different for the senator, but the people will be deceived because he who owns the media makes the rules, and they won't tell the truth. They manipulate to where the people are deceived. Final quick tidbit for you guys in the news. Presidential candidate Andrew Yang, he's on the uh, Republic, or the Democrat yeah. side of things. He said climate change may require elimination of private ownership of cars. There you have it. They're just showing how nutty they all really are. They're Marxist. Marxists that get rid of private ownership of anything. Yeah, cars are just the start, huh? Hey, good work, Kurt. Good work, Scott. Thank you guys so much. We pray that we get a constitutional candidate for president. Who would that be? Think about it. We'll talk about it one of these times soon. For Sam, Kurt, and Scott, we declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America.